0: Barbarian Noetics, the podcast dedicated to the human spirit. I'm your host, Conan Tanner. What's going on, beautiful people, glorious listeners? Thank you, as always, for joining BNP. I'm coming at you diligently, bright and early on a Friday morning. The train is honking distantly along the tracks on the outskirts here in South Phoenix. I don't know if it'll show up at all in the recording, but I really love... I don't know why, because it's very loud, and like it has even woken me up in the past, but I love the sound of the train. I'm just far enough from the tracks, and it's kind of like this ambient... I don't know. It, it imbues the the vibe with something timeless and comforting somehow. There's something comforting about trains. And even weirder is I find comfort in the planes flying overhead. So it's like I kind of think as long as the planes are flying that means that society hasn't collapsed yet. And I've said that for years. And then COVID happened and the planes stopped flying for a while and that was kind of unnerving. But, um, anyways, this is going to be a little mini, mini mini-pod for Halloween for Sam Hain, and uh, it has to be a mini-pod because I am going out of town this weekend, and so I won't be able to dedicate a lot of time to the podcast, but really trying to be extremely assiduous with putting out one pod per week, so this one is going to be a tiny pod, like a tiny home, but a tiny pod. Uh, So let's get into it, much love, peace. Reporting from my aluminum llama on a very quiet and almost windless Thursday night. And it feels to me like the whole city is taking the in breath before the, the leap or the calm before the storm or some such thing centering itself before the party. Because I do feel like this Halloween is going to be extra. Not hectic in a bad way, but just hectic. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of energy expressing itself this Halloween. And by the time this podcast comes out, it might be after Halloween. Um, but I think, like with the election being so close and just 2020 being the year that it's been for everyone, that I think there's going to be a lot of energy for transmutation on Halloween. Oh, and then, of course, always there's not always, very rarely, that this happens, there's a full moon on Halloween, so that's really powerful, so any practitioners out there who enjoy ceremonies or whatnot, there will be some really good energy to work with on Halloween, especially Halloween night with that full moon, and just all the vibes that it's one of the times that the veils between the world is thinnest. This Halloween night. So, good time to envision, acknowledge, express gratitude, transmute anything you want to transmute, and all that good stuff. So, um, but yeah, so the reason why I'm going to try to get this thing out as soon as possible is that I am have to go to a wedding this weekend. Um, don't have to want to, was invited to a wedding, and I'm very happy to attend. But I'm going to have, it's a camp out wedding out in Apache Junction, which is a cool little town, a little cow town, about 30 minutes east of, well, more than that, about an hour east of Phoenix. It's like right, it's the very outskirts of Phoenix on the eastern side of the valley. It butts up against the Superstition Mountains, and... There's some really beautiful farmland and ranches out there, so that's where the wedding party is gonna be. So it should be a good time. Um, but that means that this episode probably gonna be a mini sode. And I'm sorry, I don't know what the acoustics did right there as I biked under an overpass with trucks rumbling above me. That'll be interesting to listen back. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. basically this is going to be a halloween mini and it's i'm just going to recount a couple stories i remember from halloween past halloween's past and specifically alcohol-fueled halloween <laughs> adventures and misadventures so i thought maybe that would be a nice like interlude in the crafting sobriety from alcohol series is because I, I actually did there's one particular halloween story that i was like Man, I kind of have to include that in one of the formative, formative moments that kind of, like, shaped the form of my sobriety. And uh, anyways, I won't, I'll get into the story later. Um, So anyways, that's, that's, that's that about that. (laughs) So I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, I hope you have, or depending on when this comes out, had a good weekend, fun weekend. And, um... I explicitly left out safe, because I hate when people say that, like, have a safe and happy holidays. It's like, well, if your number one priority is safety, it's going to be lame. So don't lead with that. Like, fun, adventurous, risky, and cautious. (laughs) Anyways, um, yeah, I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get into this bad boy. Peace.
1: We love and hate, you see, came way too late, but baby, I'm on it. Can't worry about what a nigga think to see, and that's liberation, and baby, I want it. Can't worry about what another nigga think, now that's liberation, and baby, I want it. Give and take
0: comes from the Halloween of either 2005 or 2006. I can't exactly remember and I'm not gonna be an old man squabble with myself in real time about what year it was in. It was either 2005 or 2006. Whatever year the White Sox won the World Series, that was... that's what this story is from. So I was living at an eco village in Maryland because I had just graduated not too long ago from University of Maryland. So I was at this eco village um, and I was working to help construct the straw bale house. I was like an intern or volunteer. I just wanted to see how they they went about um, creating their intentional community here on the Eastern part of Maryland. So it was a really good time. I met some awesome people. And so I still had friends from college around the area and, uh, we all decided that on Halloween we were going to go out in Baltimore and party in Baltimore, because Halloweens in Baltimore are fun. They're just objectively enjoy. They're super wild and awesome. <laughs> Baltimore is such a unique vibe, interesting city. Um, so I was connecting with friends from college who I hadn't seen in, I think, a couple years, um, depending on when the story actually happened, and, uh, so... You know, this was right in the prime of my... I was still drinking hard. And I went... I dressed up as Hunter S. Thompson. Kind of half acidly I had, like, one of the long cigarette holder thingies. <laughs> and aviator sunglasses. Um, and so, you know, it was so much fun hanging out with my friends. Hadn't seen them in a while. Halloween in Baltimore. Wild and crazy vibes. So... Hard drinking, I get super drunk and the end of the night comes and I had since I was like currently living at this eco village and I was I had a job like babysitting the next day um, almost all day for this family that lived in the community um, and it was like a 4 year old and a 2 year old or a 6 year old and a 4 year old anyways at that point At that time, I was like a broke ass, so anything for a little extra money, so... Um, Yeah, so I had a babysitting gig the next day, and so I said goodbye, and and I remember my friends were like, you're not driving, are you? And I was like, no, I won't drive. My plan was I was going to sleep in the back seat until I sobered up a bit and then drive back. So I get there, and... I did try to sleep in the back seat but for some reason I just wasn't having it and in my drunken hubris I thought that yeah it would be sweet to just get home right now not worry about it and so I decided to get behind the wheel and start driving and I just remember getting lost I was trying to get I don't even remember the little little town, but it was a small town um, in the outskirts of Maryland I was trying to get to, and I found myself in Glen Burnie, which is like a suburb of Baltimore, suburb of DC, suburb of Baltimore. And the next thing I remember is, there was a yellow light that I went through because I felt like I had time to get through the yellow. And then, I see the red and blue lights behind me, and I'm like, oh, maybe it's not for me. <laughs> so I pulled off and uh, on the exit, and sure enough, it followed me. So I pulled into a gas station off the highway, and I was like, as I waited for the officer to approach, I had like a whole wave of really strong emotions but mostly it was just acceptance it was like I felt this weird sort of like well I I deserve this for being such a fucking idiot like yeah just a lot of sort of like self criticism, self-loathing feeling like well this is what you get dumbass but I was still praying that like maybe I would somehow get out of this I couldn't even think of how I would, but I do remember praying that, you know, there'd be some way I could get out of this without this like fucking up my whole life. So the officer walked up and, I knew that I couldn't hide the fact that I had been drinking. And in fact it was like, like chemically I was fucking wasted, but I did, getting pulled over did sober me up real fucking quick. So, you know, I was as together as I could be, but I knew that my blood alcohol level was fucked. And so he rolled down the window and I just like told him the the full honest truth and was just like, you know, basically rehashed what I just told you guys that I got together with some friends from college and over drank and then made the bad decision to try to drive home and then while I'm telling him the story there's another whoop whoop another blue and red so now there's two cop cars and then another one pulled in behind so there was three cop cars all together then and I'm in the I'm intoxicated in a gas station talking to one of said officers and so he went I told him my whole thing my whole story and then he went and talked to the other officers and they had like a long and animated conversation I don't know what they said I just know that he would speak and then they would kind of make gesticulations and make these our emotions and look all flustered and he would speak again and he comes back over and he's like Look, I don't want to take you to jail tonight. Do you have anyone who can come get you? And I was like, honestly, no. You know, because I wasn't about to call the eco village. I mean, they were cool to me and stuff. But we weren't like close, like family, where I can call them at like 3 in the morning. uh, Drunk. (laughs) And ask them to come. Like, I just, I couldn't do that. And I also, this was like before... At least I, I resisted for a long time getting a smartphone, so this was before I had like a legit smartphone, so I think I still had a, like a fucking shitty little flip phone. And I didn't know anyone's number, like, so I just kept saying, you know, no. And then I had like a bunch of shit in the back seat and he's like, are you living in the car? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, Jesus and uh which it wasn't true i was i had like a nice little apartment quarters in this old mill this re- uh, renovated old mill in the eco village but i thought maybe it could earn me some sympathy points or something cuz for whatever reason he did seem like inclined to talk with me so like, is there anyone? Anyone you can call that can come get you? Me kept on saying, no, there's not. And I did offer, I was like, you know, I can just crash out here um, at this gas station. And he's like, well, I can't let you do that because if I leave you, you might drive again. And I was like, well, I won't drive. And he's like, yeah, but I don't know that. So he goes back and talks with the officers, the same type of thing. He's talking, they're having these like wild gesticulations another like fairly lengthy passionate talk and then he comes back again and he says all right give me your keys and I was like yes sir here you go and he's like sleep this off I'll come back in the morning with your keys and that's what happened like miraculously fucking insanely miraculously as that sounds like that is what happened and somehow Somehow I didn't get in any like legal or monetary trouble from being like wasted and, oh, I asked like why was I driving recklessly? And he said, yeah, you ran two red lights in front of me. So that when I thought that I had gotten through the yellow, I was actually running a red. And he said I had run two reds. And so anyways, the next, so I, you know, I, I was like in such a haze, some a post-adrenaline haze. The cops pull off. I go right to sleep in the back seat, and then, what well, seems like five minutes later, there's like a rap, 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 rap on the window, back seat window, and is the cop. And I rolled the window down. And he throws the keys in, and I said like, thank you. But he was walking away so fast. I, you probably heard me, but yeah, he wasn't trying to talk. <laughs> he wasn't trying to, like, get, have me be all grateful and soppy with him. He was like, here's your fucking keys, moron. That was kind of the energy of it. Like, you don't deserve this, but fuck it. Like, for whatever reason, that was my lucky night that night. So, what that did do is it did completely end. Because I'm not, like proud of the fact that I used to like drink and then uh, drive it's really embarrassing to admit but I did used to do that like through college and stuff it was in the Midwest where I went to high school it was weirdly normalized like people were proud of their ability to drink and drive and it was like basically the kind of thing that if nothing bad happens nothing bad happens so like there was a lot of pride like oh yeah I can I can drink and drive good. (laughs) But after that night, I did stop cold turkey. I never drank and drove again. So it did have an impact on me, but it didn't get me to stop drinking. It just got me to stop drinking and driving. But then on top of it, there was another feeling that I had. It's kind of... I don't know how I'm going to be able to put it into words. But there's something... There's an emotion that's beyond gratitude when you feel so thankful for something that it's like, it almost comes back around and hits you like a negative emotion, like a lot of self-judging, self-loathing, like the fact that I did get off almost made me like even loathe myself more for that behavior. Yeah, I'll take a break and then I'll try to describe a little bit more about this, this emotion I'm trying to express that I felt after that. So finishing up my recollection of the very spectacular Halloween in Baltimore where I decided to drive drunk and then got pulled over by three cops in Glen Burnie. And somehow the initial officer who stopped me, he did say, he's like, thanks for being honest with me. And something about the way that night played out, it, the chips fell so that I did not even get a ticket, much less get a DUI, DWI, or get carted off to jail. He just took my keys I crashed out in the back seat next morning he threw the keys in the car and I drove to babysit at this eco village and I've I I don't really know what to say to kind of like put a bow on this story because first off it's just like really embarrassing to recount because it's just such like a such a fucked up decision honestly like it's it it, it was a really poor decision and so it's like why did I not get in more trouble I'm glad I didn't get in more trouble because it really would have obviously fucked up my life like I was only a couple months away from going to Australia to get my master's degree Um, I don't think I would have been eligible for student loans Uh, if I had a DWI that you know I would have been saddled with enormous amounts of of fines and fees, I probably wouldn't have been able to leave the country, would have changed the trajectory of my entire life, and so I feel feel like a debt of gratitude that's almost crushing, and I don't know what to say about it. I don't really, I don't know, you know, I don't know, I don't know what to say about it, you know? It, It also kind of is like, is it because I'm white? Probably a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm a white guy, that I you know if i was if i was not a white guy would i have had the same chance of but even white guys that just it's something that doesn't really happen to people where they're driving recklessly drunk and then they don't nothing happens really like not even a ticket or anything and i could tell that the other two officers like did want to cart me away and just that one officer kept on like really vociferously you know arguing for for me to just sleep at the gas station like he did me such a solid and so yeah so I wish that I could be like more poetic or something in, in wrapping up the story but um it was an incredibly formative night it was horrifying it was dumb and I'm just so glad I didn't hurt anyone hurt myself And then the next day I'm like trying to play it cool and babysitting and just obviously I'm like feel like I'm about to die from the hangover, but also like all the emotional turmoil of just like processing how that happened. So that's my spooktacular Halloween when I was still drinking and being a fucking moron story. All right. (laughs) Until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Peace. going on glorious people we're going to get right back into this halloween minisode but first a quick word from today's sponsor today's episode of the barbarian noetics podcast is brought to you by sex it feels good it's good for you sex all right let's get back to the show to uh, this Saturday being Halloween and the full moon, it's also the beginning of the Samhain Festival. Samhain is a festival of the dead and it's one of the primary holidays in the pagan wheel of the year. Um, In the northern hemisphere, many pagans celebrate Samhain from sundown on October 31st through November 1. So the celebration can continue through Sunday the 1st. Um Samhain has also been known by other names. Some Celtic Wiccans and Druids call it Kalangaif, Kalenguaf, Calagon, or Nos Galangwif. I'm definitely fucking up these pronunciations. Even though I am Welsh, Gaelic is such a hard <laughs> language to uh, pronounce. Um a medieval book of tales, the Yellow Book of Lacan, reports that common folk called Samhain the Feast of Mongfind, the legendary witch queen who married a king of Tara in Old Ireland. While the growth and spread of Christianity is the dominant religion boo, throughout Europe, Samhain, time, took on Christian names and guises. All Saints Day, or All Hallows, on November 1 commemorated Christian saints and martyrs. All Souls Day on November 2 was a remembrance for all souls of the dead. With the coming of the Christian Spaniards to Mexico, boo, hiss, hiss, boo, fuck you, Christian Spaniards. The indigenous customs of honoring the dead at this time of the year mixed with Roman Catholicism, boo, and gave birth to the Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos, in early November. Samhain shares the ancient spiritual practice of remembering and paying respects to the dead with these related religious holidays of Christianity. <clears throat> Halloween, short for All Hallows' Eve, is celebrated on and around of October 31. Although occurring at the same time of year and having roots in end-of-harvest celebrations of the ancient past, Halloween and Samhain are not the same, but two separate holidays that differ considerably in focus and practice. And you know that said I think you can you can certainly weave together celebrations of pagan Samhain and All Hallows Eve. Remember, in my personal opinion, you dogmatism is the enemy of joy and celebration. So there are no true rules as long as you're respectful is my opinion. So here is some Samhain chants for you or if you decide to build a fire anytime in the next few days and celebrate the ancestors. Samhain, Samhain, summer's end, summer's end Samhain, Samhain, veil is thin, veil is thin Samhain, Samhain, spirit friends, spirit friends Samhain fire, Samhain night Samhain magic, spirit's light Spirit in light, spirit in sound Spirit within, spirit around Ancestors, we call to you Ancestors, we remember you ancestors we honor you and then as you give an offering beloved dead come get fed circle of light circle of sound circle of Samhain circle around along the riverbed and right after I've crossed under a bridge I stopped to take a drink and out of the shadows there slunk two beautiful coyotes so close maybe like five meters away and what struck me more than anything is how silent they were they were hidden in absolute silence and even when they Emerged from the shadows and trotted away from me. They did so in absolute silence. I didn't hear. I didn't hear like a, a you know a branch crack or a leaf crinkle or a shrub rustle. Like nothing, almost like spirits, like ghosts. And that made me think. Well, what better, what better representation of the great spirit than these two beautiful animals? And just what a gift it is to have this place to come to in the city and what a gift like these animals serve to us by keeping these places wild in a sense because there's wild animals within it that keeps it keeps it wild.
1: Ask me if there'll come a time When I grow tired of you Never my love Never my love You wonder if this heart of mine Will lose its desire You think love will end when you know that my whole life depends And your whole life with
0: me Another Halloween story takes us back to 2003 when I was but a young tyke, junior year College College Park, Maryland and I remember I was living off campus and there were parties everywhere including our house, there was a massive house party there and I was at that time of course huge huge drinker and I was really into these things called ice luge where basically it's like a big slide of ice and you situate yourself at the bottom of the slide and just kind of hold your mouth open against the ice and people pour liquor from the top of the slide and into your mouth, but as it, as it rolls down the slide, it gets icy cold. Uh, ice luge, I used to love those things. However, I learned an important lesson this one particular Halloween night, that when one is engaging in ice luge and also imbibing in possibly some Adderall and also then chooses to imbibe additionally into some blow, um, the results can be quite disastrous. The night itself was a lot of fun, but the next morning my heart felt like it was literally going to pump pound out of my chest completely, and doing a little bit of research I discovered that, oh, when you combine huge amounts of alcohol with cocaine, you can like probably die a lot of the time. So what I was feeling was almost dying. My heart was all fucked up. It was all palpitating at different speeds And I remember I couldn't sleep. I couldn't stay still I couldn't like do anything All I could do was walk and I walked like several miles from my house to this Chinese place I liked and sat down and ordered. I used to get this huge uh, fried tofu dish with broccoli and it was like, you know, the narnar, like, old-school Chinese food with that weird brown syrup that probably has enough MSG in it to, like, stun a small animal. And I just sat there and consumed that entire friggin' plate of <laughs> fried tofu, broccoli, and MSG sauce. And let me tell you what, Chinese food has never tasted so good. I could feel that fried tofu soaking up all those toxins. And uh, anyway, yeah, another fun halloween spooky story of when conan was a reckless reckless young lad combining all sorts of intoxicants and almost dying
1: I see it's party G club. Uh, yeah, this the So what? This is the shop. So what? Uh, so what? Uh, this the So what? the shop. So what? Uh, this So what? Uh, this is the shop. So, uh, so, uh, this is the shop. So what? Uh, this So what? Uh, uh, this is the So what? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. the shop. So what? So what? So what? So what? So what?
0: All right, y'all, you made it to the end of this little mini so happy Samhain, happy Halloween, happy Alls, Hallows, Eve, happy full moon, happy spellcasting, and we're going to finish off this podcast by reading a, an excerpt from a book I've been referencing a lot lately, Dreamtime and in Inner Space by Holger Kauwit, and this chapter has to do with sickness and self-healing. I'm going to read the last part of the chapter and i'm choosing this passage because you know the whole idea of sickness and healing and self-healing right now is extremely salient because of what's going on in the world what we've experienced in 2020 and i think it bears contemplation to consider that almost every invitation to the shamanic path across all cultures is preceded by a sickness like a serious illness and the shaman or shamaness experiences the illness in its fullness and just learns teaches her or himself how to heal how to get better and thus is able to help the tribe and help others and oftentimes it comes in the form of a spirit helper or a dream the information required to cure oneself so i think it's behooves us to consider this as a collective and with 2020 and what it signifies and how we can make the most of of this kind of uh, traumatic difficult year moving forward. Alright. Every sickness is an attempt at healing, and every healing an attempt to escape from the everyday neuroses of ordinary consciousness so as to arrive at a more subtle and, in the last resort, superhuman form of perception. The sicknesses that arise as a result of a calling are surely the highest form of illness a sacred illness, which by its power makes it possible for mystical and metaphysical insights to arise. As we have seen, this frequently happens without regard to the feelings and wishes of the chosen one, who, in most cases, is not aware of the fact that his body is undergoing an initiation. To resist such a process of transformation is a natural reaction to that which is unaccustomed, mysterious, and without limit. The initiate struggles both against his pain and suffering as well as the future social functions he will have to perform as a shaman or shamaness, which all too often will deprive him or her of the possibility of leading a normal everyday life. Resistance to psychophysical change and disintegration of the normal structure of existence has always been part and parcel of the transformative process. Because of this, it forms at least a partial aspect of every rite of transformation. Rejection of the new and unknown is a standard human response. True, existence itself is change, but the leap from three-dimensional to multi-dimensional perception and experience is the most fundamental change. To reach a translogical form of knowledge or realm of wisdom, celestial beauty, and spiritual essence is one of the most ancient experiential goals of mankind. The central issue raised by this chapter is, therefore, Why do we have to become ill before we can accept a new insight? Why is the entry into a more comprehensive level of experience so frequently marked by sickness, or one might say, a cleansing process? Purification plays a prominent role in the life of all communities that are close to nature. While our culture attaches primary importance to physical cleanliness, other cultures still have knowledge of psychic and spiritual methods of purification which might well be compared to our psychotherapeutic techniques. We see life as a relatively uniform and continuous process marked by merely peripheral changes, whereas so-called primitive cultures tend to see personal development as a series of leaps from one mode of existence to another. This is clearly shown by the traditional rites of passage conducted not only at birth, puberty and death, but especially at the breakthrough from everyday existence to a spiritual dimension, as experienced by religious adepts, the leap from the human to the superhuman. The important stages in a person's life are connected by periods of inner purification so that the individual, being properly prepared and in a clear state of mind, undistracted by customary thought processes and memories, may progress to a new and unburdened existence. So this is, I'm taking a quick pause here to really like refocus on the collective here and think about how this can possibly pertain to us as a collective species moving forward. This purification may take many forms, either purely physical, such as vomiting, perspiration, fasting, pain, fever, and cleansing of the body with water, or intense psychic isolation during which the memory of the constitution of one's ego is shed. Extreme exhaustion, which disrupts the regular functioning of the organism and the psyche. And actual sickness, which brings internal obstacles and defilements to the surface, and indeed expels them. Thereby producing a heightened sensitivity for the process of being. A sensitivity that ultimately enables the shaman to diagnose and heal the illnesses of others. So this is a prayer that we collectively utilize this experience this collective trauma to become aware of how we can heal ourselves how we can heal our society how we can heal others and have it all wrapped up in that big that the circle that contains all those other circles which ultimately is the entire planet all right y'all happy halloween peace
1: Her type was tied down, her eyes light. Cause so she came from the land of the butterflies Smell like pineapple, taste like lullaby. Wait for the flavor, her nature all on my navel This ain't a favor, I'm praising her like a savior Mi princesa, mi nena linda, mi corazón mi sirena, i uh. I'm just a florist in a rainforest Sing a forest and I swear that on my pain Norris. Stuck in the orbit, I just gotta absorb it Would she open up a fortress and feed me endorphins? Angelita, have you any love for me? Always come for me, but then you run from me Every time you near, I can feel you in my fears Whisper in my ear, take my soul and disappear Angelita